officially of uh, the little mini series that we're doing being black in 2020 um today i have the honor of having miss desiree attaway with us today (laughs) thank you thank you thank you this is an extremely busy woman so i was very very glad um to get her on um we also have uh uh Tamika back with us with um, Tuesday Swift Tamika. We have her on as well. So we're glad to have her on. And so today with our episode, we are just going to jump right into it. Again, we got in depth last week kind of talking about um, George Floyd and uh, what was going on with that. There's the many deaths we've been having with uh, and I said I was going to be using this term interchangeably black and brown uh, people, people of color, African-Americans, black people. So many um, of us, you know, use those different terms and don't find them offensive, Um, but just the rise in them. And then uh Uh, When Tamika and I were on last week She at the end of the second part of the episode Had mentioned that somebody was actually Hung out there in California And actually when when I looked the next day It was all over the internet And I believe I saw two Two people It's three now Jesus Two in California, one in New York Tamika, do you want to speak on that a little bit? Uh, you know, it's 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 just disheartening because I was sharing with uh, some guy friends of mine, some brother friends, and I was telling them, you know, it's it's getting to the point that I don't even want to pick up my phone or turn on the news because every time that I do, it's it's like another one, another one, you know. In in addition to the two young brothers that you know, thank God that the FBI have gotten involved in there because they were trying to say that these young men committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, They were about 50 um, 50 miles apart from one another um, on the same day. Like it's it's just too coincidental. Um, But in addition to that, we also have Mr. Rashard Brooks in uh, Georgia. So, you know, it's, it's, it's disheartening, you know, and it's, it's unbelievable that in 2020, someone would have the audacity to create, to do, to commit such a heinous Such an offensive, crime. yes. Miss Attaway, what do you, what, what is your take on that? Just, uh, it's almost like, you know, you want to do what uh, Michelle Obama said, which is when we go low, when they go low, we go high. But it's almost like they're making it impossible. I mean, and not that we, you know, we, you know, we know animals can't control themselves. We know we're human beings. We can tr- control what we do. But it's almost getting to the point like it's almost like they feel like a certain class is pushing and they're pushing back. 
you know, because it's not just blacks out there marching. It's uh, Caucasians. It's, it's 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 a lot of people out there marching. Yeah. So it's like yeah. you know, one group is pushing, and it's just like others are trying to deem and push back that much harder. But it was very cowardly, right? How it was done because clearly that wasn't done where somebody would see that because I'm sure it would have had a different outcome. Right. Yeah. So, so there are a couple of things. Um, So with my work, I spend a lot of time talking to corporate CEOs, like big businesses. And one thing that I was last week, I probably facilitated yeah, I did about two a day, 10 conversations at corporate, various corporate headquarters. And every time, the first thing I said is, Black people, you don't have to sit in here and sit with this. This ain't your work to do. You got enough trauma. You don't need to hear this. So y'all can go. Like, And I just am telling people, you don't. I don't care if they do make a call mandatory. Don't put yourself through that. Yeah. So, like, that's, it, it is not worth it, right? And so, and then I tell all these managers and, um, you know, division heads and senior leaders, you do not make black people show up for these things. It is not mandatory for them, right? And you're going to acknowledge their pain. So, for a lot of the, the groups that I was with last week, I was like, we're not talking about racism. We're talking a very we're going to talk about anti-blackness. Mm. We're going to discuss a very explicit type of racism that we're seeing right now, right? And so, I tell folks I don't do equity and inclusion training. I do racial equity work. I let's talk about what does it mean for racialized people to come up into these white spaces and have to live, mm. and have to work and have to navigate so so you know in saying all of that this this past week this past two weeks these past three weeks have been really fascinating right Mm. um with folks making these statements like i was i was telling somebody i think the day that i just literally gave up on the internet was the day that um PetSmart put out PetSmart for black lives i was like what is happening what wait huh and, and it's because folks that have never opened their mouths before, ever, under any circumstances, you know, felt the need that they wanted to open their mouths now. The NFL, which is the worst, you know, horrible thing on earth, mm. is like, we was wrong. Yeah, we know y'all was wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? And so now all these people are like, I want to, you know, I, I'm sorry, or I want to say this. And my whole point is, you can say it. But what's happening now, which is different, is folks internally are pushing back, right? Their their own staff are saying, you don't get to put out some statement when you treat us a certain way in here. Yeah. That's I, different. I, yeah. Uh, to add to that, I, I think that people are tired, especially people of color, Black folks, you know, we're tired of people benefiting from our culture, you know, benefiting from our pain, benefiting from our trauma, you know, the world benefits off of the blood, off of the blood, sweat and tears of black folks. And we're we're finally bold enough and, and to stand up and say, we, we don't want to hear it. You know, enough, enough is enough is not is, is a really an understatement. 
You know, although we've been saying that, it's it's truly an understatement um, to the 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 trauma, the generational trauma that our people have suffered. And for, um, I think I saw like Blue Shield commercial and it, it just, it almost made me nausea to my stuff. Like you oh, no, like, they're all, they're horrible. Cause I'm like, you don't, you, right? So I do have one client, I have a couple, but I have one in particular who sent out a message right when all of this was really bubbling up. Uh, and they make pottery and they sent out a message to their 50 staff, right? their manufacturing company and they was like George Floyd died y'all this is real black people who work for us you need time off you take time off mm. wait a minute they was like y'all want to get in the street go get in the street here's how wow. to do it safely wait a minute here's how you do it safely wow you can take time off to go get in them streets wow and they also then told them you get arrested or you get hemmed up, here is our number. Oh, wow. Us and we will come get you. Yeah. That's, that's what a real island is. <laughs> what, what company is that? Right, <laughs> East Fork Pottery in Asheville, North Carolina, y'all. <laughs> We're not playing. I didn't write the letter. They sent me the letter on a Sunday night and said, Desiree, you probably be busy. But if you can put your eyes on these before we send this out in the morning, let me know. I was so, it literally brought me to tears. I literally made a little video and sent them and was just like, this is this is how y'all show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. This is how you don't just talk about it. This is, I mean, you literally said, go get in the streets. And if you get hemmed up by the police, here's our number. Here's both our sales numbers. Call us. We will come get you. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an example to to really look at because you have some companies, Starbucks, that will say something and then backpedal when you think your dollars are getting affected and it's kind of like you know I was and I had to stop it's kind of what you said um Desiree you know you kind of have to kind of um or Tamika I'm not sure which one but you have to kind of pull yourself away a little bit right because it's it's overwhelming it's overwhelming and it's like these people, what did my Angelou say? I've said it before. When a person shows you who they are, believe them the first time. They have shown who they are. You know, and I'm not bashing. This is the truth. This has been out there. It was a lawsuit when people, they were, I, I believe they were just sitting in there trying to, you know, do a business plan, like just trying to have a oh, conversation. Yeah. I, stopped, I stopped drinking Starbucks for over a year because of what happened to those two black guys in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You know, and they supposedly had their little half a day, let's shut down. Right, culture training. Culture training, which is ridiculous, Mm -hmm. right? Because what they don't get at in that culture training is what are the policies, what are the procedures, what are the systems that are in place Mm -hmm. that made that white woman manager so comfortable Mm -hmm. in calling the police Mm -hmm. on folks, like Mm -hmm. on them and not Mm -hmm. other folks. And so... I'm like, oh, that wasn't the first time she done this. Because mm. she interviewed for jobs. So how many black folks didn't get jobs because of something that she saw? So my whole point is I'm like, mm. so people all the time ask me, help me get you know more black and brown people in my company. And, I, and this is literally what I tell them. No, before you ask for black and brown people, I need you to hire better white people. Mm. Mm, that's a word and I mean white people who got their shit together who have an mm-hmm. analysis around race mm-hmm. who understand microaggressions who get 
who got the history, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who is constantly learning, who mm-hmm. has, who are humble around where they are, mm-hmm. knowing this is a journey, right? I'm like, that's who you hire mm-hmm. because they're going to help keep the black and brown people. I ain't bringing nobody in here for literally for y'all to cause more harm for them. Save face. And, and almost in, in their eyes somewhat right. try to save face. But right. what you said, call, causing possible more harm because you don't have others who are trained properly and how to, for lack of better words, behave around these people. Well, you people know, don't but know well, I don't want to say these people, but, you know, the like, well, I mean, we're so, we have no idea how to manage. First of mm-hmm. all, the average person don't know how to manage anyway. Mm-hmm. So I would tell people, white folks, when they don't know how to manage, cause harm. Mm-hmm. White people, when they don't know how to manage and are, man- and are managing black and brown people, cause trauma. Mm. Right? So, y'all, the first thing is, we got to teach people how to actually be able to communicate, have some difficult conversations, and stay in right relationship with each other. That's the key word, relationship. So, right. So this is it. We have to be transformational with people. Mm. We have to always understand community care. But th- these are things that this country does not teach. These are the things that actually go against corporate America. Mm-hmm. Right? Like corporate America is about your individual. Like who, ooh, what did you do, Tamika? Oh, Tamika did that. Let's give Tamika all the credit. Knowing that it was 18 other people to help Tamika do that. Yeah. Somebody oh, my Tameka, goodness. Somebody, right, all these things. But no, let's give Tamika this credit. Mm-hmm. And so we don't, corporate America is not built to understand Corporate America is built, right? All the, what people see is regular business pieces, like business, like how you do business, Mm -hmm. all comes from, it was built upon how slave traders learn to count slaves. Oh, wow. Oh, no. So this is where, um, I I thought I had the book near me. I have it, but I don't know if I have it near me. Um, I do. There's a whole book. And it's called Accounting for Slavery, Masters in Management. Who's the author? And it's authored by Caitlin Rosenthal. Okay. And, but what it comes from is when it started in, um, like in the Caribbean, when these owners who would own these banana and pineapple and sugar plantations were not physically there. So that's when they hired these overseers. And so then they would have to be reporting like, Whoa. so how much time were people working and what Whoa. were they working? And so literally our modern day accounting practices, how we count what an hour, what a full day looks like, how do we maximize work for people? All of that literally was built because from slavery, how much can we maximize a black person? Like if they have children, if they don't have children, like all literally that comes from all of these common management practices are built from the foundation of what they took in terms of slavery to build, um, to, to figure out how, what, a you know, a good day's work. Oh, that's like. deep. Yeah. And in addition to that, I actually on my my podcast that's going to be airing tomorrow, I was able to speak with a law enforcement officer to, you know, talk about um, and he's a black law enforcement officer to talk about uh, just how he feels 
working um, in this racist institution, right? Mm-hmm. And he broke it down. Um, he, you know, he he gave the history of the overseer. Yeah, the slaves. Yeah, exactly. Through that's that. exactly how our that's how policing came to be was built. Yes, it was built by the overseers, um, which which they were just one step above black folks, but because they were white, they had that privilege and they, they would say things like, um, at least I'm not a nigga. Mm. And and it was built specifically, like that's what it was sold at from the 1% from the land. Right. So it was their way of separating so that there was not a multiracial coalition coming after the rich people. They decided, and they were smart, that they could separate, you know, they couldn't have everybody trying to do uprisings, Mm. so that they could separate us by making, by giving little, not treats, but giving land, giving tobacco, Mm -hmm. giving all these little privileges to the white indentured servants, the overseers, right? So that they would know, and then they made laws where you could no longer marry black folks and all these other things which before all these folks were intermarrying and doing all this Mm -hmm. other stuff right because they like we all pour out here together and then they started separating them um uh to the point that it became you know and there's plenty of if okay there's a podcast series called um by scene on radio s-c-e-n-e radio Okay. There's a ten part series called On Being White. Can you and repeat that again? Being, you said on sure. being on being it's being white, mm-hmm. right? And it is it is all about whiteness mm-hmm. and how whiteness, the concept of whiteness, was created in this country, and it was created in this country so that they can figure out who they could give land to oh, wow. before Virginia was a state, and they decided that who could get land where white men over the age of 16 could get these 50 parcels, 50 um, acres parcel of land from what became, from the Virginia Commonwealth. And in, in doing that, what they also gave them was the, you know, all kinds of other rights to be on juries, to own businesses, like all of these rights came with that. And, and so what was being created is whiteness, this tool of whiteness for, which was always, and will show always being intermarried with um, capitalism was created of who would be the workers and who would be the owners. Mm. And they knew that they needed a buffer between the workers and the owners. And that buffer were white folks who then did slave trade, right? So you mm-hmm. could catch a slave and you could get, you know, some land for it. You could catch a slave. You, you could get, you know, tobacco. You could catch a slave. You could get money. That created that system of that buffer in between the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how, and it keeps capitalism going, right? Because mm-hmm. capitalism runs because it needs um, black bodies. Mm-hmm capitalism needs the concept of a slave. Either you're a modern day slave, which means you're probably in prison, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're a former slave. But capitalism can only run with this unending group of bodies at the bottom to keep it going. 
and um, they have to see these bodies as slavable mm. for mm. capitalism too. Which, so you can't talk about justice if we're not talking about economic justice you, and capitalism. You can't. You, can't. you absolutely can't. And, and which you know that whole everything that you just explains debunks these ideations or these ideals that. Um, you know, I, I hear, you know, especially recently, people say things like, um, well, well, we've always had slaves and slave, but the, the what you have just so eloquently broke down mm-hmm. the difference between slaves in other countries or, you know, previous to slavery in, in 1619, when we were brought to this country is the capitalism, the, the, it, the whiteness, the, they made it a racial thing. Oh, you know, because that, they had to justify it. Exactly. They had to justify the money. So, um, and they, actually they talk about this in scene on radio in like the second or third episode, they talk about, they're talking to Dr. Ibrahim Kendi, right? And he's, saying that there was this um, Portuguese guy who had gone to Africa, had saw these slaves, wanted to bring, you know, wanted that free labor. And um, so he basically started being doing the PR and started writing about how, uh, how, what they could do to bring these black, if they brought them back to Portugal, like, they could save them. They could have religion and they did all these things. So they wrote all this stuff to justify it. And then the Pope saw it and the Pope pretty much wrote some papal papers, right? So in legal Christian documents, it basically Mm -hmm. said, Oh, you can, of course you can have them and you can have them from perpetuity and you know, you can have them to help you grow richer. And so when they got the church to co-sign it, right, then it was no stopping them. Jesus. Because then, then the lie was, oh, we're going to bring Christianity. To mm. But it was always and only for the purpose of economics. They needed workers. They needed workers in this country. They needed mm. workers in Brazil. They needed workers through the Caribbean. They needed, they needed workers. This this is deep, and I, I'm going to pivot just for a second because yeah. you are giving some amazing nuggets. You and Tamika both are just really, I feel like, giving uh, information that I feel like a lot. And some of this, I'm kind of like, oh, wow, you know, it's it's new for me. What can you say to a person? Because I'm going to pivot back to, you know, just the micro and macroaggressions and just kind of where we are today and how it could even, you know, led to what happened and maybe what what can be done, you know, to help people be more aware of them and check themselves when they are displaying or maybe start to display or even think about displaying, you know, these macro or microaggressions. You have a person that says, you know what? I want to learn about, you know, slavery and the history and blacks coming over here. What do you think? Like, are there any books out there that you feel like are top four or five books that could really kind of explain slavery or, you know, even like when you hear the comments like that were made um, by Drew Brees, like, you know, my grandfather, you know, fought in World War One. And it's like, OK, you, he went by himself. There were definitely people, you know, there were definitely blacks fighting unwillingly. I believe, you know, I believe in that war as well. So like, what, what are those, yeah, those tools that can be given to, to, to give the knowledge, you know, for people that want to learn and really want to understand uh, and not believe that blacks were indentured servants. Cause I've heard that as well. No. Yeah. So what white people know about us is no information, misinformation or limited information. Mm Mm-hmm. 
because that's the way the system was set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say that because one they, more time. That it's was no good. information. It's no information, misinformation, or limited information. Mm-hmm. And we know this because they can live their entire life and never know black people personally, and they don't feel like they've lost anything because mm-hmm. they really haven't. Right. Right. Like we know everything about white people because that's how we survive. We know how to get jobs with them. We know how to work with them. We know how to live next door to them. We know all the things. We know everything about them. I know how they want me to speak. I know I can read a room and tell you what they want me to do when I walk in there. All of those things. And I know that because that's how I survive. Mm. They know nothing about me. They know nothing about coming to my neighborhood. They know nothing about who I am or my what my everyday existence looks like because the system is set up so that they don't have to know. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so there's that piece. Yes. So when we talk about microaggressions, part of it is you have to, before you can think about a microaggression, you have to think about implicit bias, right? Yes. And that's informed by our identities, our mm-hmm. history, our experience, our media, mm-hmm. our friends. Mm-hmm. You will be shocked by how many white people, if you say, what was the first time you had a black teacher in your life? So many of them will tell you high school, maybe mm-hmm. college, maybe. Mm-hmm. So their exposure and who they think black people is, I'm not even lying. For the majority of people, literally, is media. Mm. It is TV. Wow. It is music. Because they don't know any personally. There may be some that they sit next to in the office, but like they don't know what's happening in, in my life. Mm-hmm. My children, my family, right? They don't have my phone number. Mm-hmm. They're not coming to my home for stuff, right? So we sit next to people for 20, 30 years sometimes, and they don't know who we are or have any idea of our existence. Right, like I had to tell these people the other day, I'm like, yeah, I work with companies all over the world. And guess what? Every day I still think, do I fucking want to drive a car? Do I want to take the chance of being stopped by the police? Wow. Every day. And it has not eased up once. Every day I think, do I want to drive or do I just want to jump in an Uber and go? Like, mm-hmm. And the fact that you I even have to think that right, is. Right, because you know. I just, and I think it every day. And I've thought it every day since Sandra Bland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like every day. That's the first thing that I think of when I go to drive a car. So so we have this these things. And so, but what they haven't been taught, there are two things. I question white fragility. Is it fragility or is it cowardice? And I push people on that. Mm-hmm. And you're right. We are so used to talking about race and being racialized that we don't even think about it. And I've literally had clients who I said to them, so guess what? You know, Tamika's the only black person on your team. Tamika's been here for 30, 60 days. You're doing a check-in. As a part of that check-in, why can't you look at Tamika and say, hey, Tamika, I know you're the only black person on this Mm. team. What is that brought up for you? Like, is there any way I can help you? Is there anything you need? And this woman literally clutched her little pearls at her neck. <laughs> and, she, and, and she's this very sweet woman. And she looked at me and she was like, I can't say that, Desiree. And I was like, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, because I was taught you don't acknowledge that in any way, shape, or form. Oh, wow. Or you are racist. And this is what they've been taught. Mm. Yeah. That by, by acknowledging that I'm black, 
that's when they're racist. Mm-hmm. When they try to acknowledge it just, oh, I'm just Desiree, that, that they're not being racist. And I'm like, y'all actually get that ass backwards. <laughs> because the reality is, I am never not black Desiree, ever. Mm-hmm. So when you don't acknowledge it, it means I can't trust you because you're mm-hmm. not dealing with the truth. Mm-hmm. So when you say to me, it's crappy being the only black woman in this meeting every week. I'm going to be like, that's right. Mm-hmm. I see you and you see me. Right. Right. But when you're saying that there's no difference in us, I'm like, oh, you you literally have no idea who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what they've been taught. Like, literally, if you, um, <clears throat> pardon me, if you acknowledge race in any way, then you are racist Mm. and I always have to push and say what's worse than being you know is it worse being called a racist or actually engaging in racist at this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (coughs) I'm sorry y'all okay um, sinus stuff okay but I wanted to um offer a book sorry about that okay um to kind of add to the conversation, it's it's titled, and, and Desiree, maybe you've heard of this book, it's titled Black Roads, White Justice. Mm-hmm. And it talks, it, it's very um, on in the same lane of what Desiree's talking about with um, the, the roads that we walk on, you know, that our justice system doesn't fit into who we are as people. So um, that is a very, very, um, the, the officer that was on my podcast actually mentioned that book. Um, and I think that it's something that not only black folks should read, but white folks should read. So mm-hmm. they can oh, see how we view the world, you know, we, how the lenses that we, you know, although they, you can never, I can never see the world like a white woman, like you were saying, Desiree, I could definitely, I know exactly what they want. I know that even my big black name offends them. Right. So they'll try to say stuff like, can I call you Tammy? No, no that's, right. that's, that's racist. No, mm-hmm. my name is Tamika. My mom and daddy named me Tamika. That's what you're going to call me. Yeah, um, and, and it took me a while to get to that point for me to just, you know, because as a young black woman entering the workforce, right. you just want to, you, it, it, it's, we've always been told to acclimate in school. We're told to acclimate everything, every situation and in, in church, we're told to acclimate oh, no. So it it took me some courage to tell them, no, this is my Tamika, just just the way it's it's spelled, you know, and and that's microaggression. You know, a lot of times they don't uh, think of that as as being racist or being totally. Well, and I was getting ready to say that that's definitely like just in this moment, I realized the importance in standing in the shoes that my parents named me. Right. Because mm-hmm. people will always be like, oh, can I call you Willie or, Will- or Wilhelmina or something? like?" And I'm and, you know, and of course, you know, I would say no, just because the fact that what that that's not my name. Um, but it, it just in this moment, I'm like, no, you're not going to try to give me a name like they did with Toby. You know what no, I'm saying? Well, you're going to no. call me Willette. Like, that's my name. But so, this is it. I- I tell them all the time you somehow can say Wachowiach right you can say every Polish name right you can right. say every you know Eastern European name right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you can say that mm-hmm. and but you can't say Tamika right mm-hmm. like what mm-hmm. you can you're choosing not to mm-hmm. and I get a lot of folks um uh foreign students right 
who, you know, may be from anywhere, Asia, South Africa, I mean, Africa, and then they'll be like, oh, yeah, my name is blah, 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 but they can call me Harry. I'm like, no, they can't. Mm-hmm. Not allow them to do that to you. That's right. They can learn your name. Because if you're going to be in right relationship with people, you learn their name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, the Desiree or Tamika, do you have any other books you would suggest to people that so that they could be aware, just even of even it's just an inkling of the history um, of blacks? You know, like it's almost like Christopher Columbus, like he didn't he didn't find what was already here. Right. <laughs> you know, the Indians were already here. That I don't have actually with me because I'm not at home, but <clears throat> it's a book um, about white women and who who own slaves mm-hmm. right so you know the whole mythology around miss ann and she was always good to the person and she helped them and fed them no it really talks about <clears throat> the violence that white women mm-hmm. and how they encouraged it because for them you know it is a, it was about power mm-hmm. it was around how do they keep the power mm-hmm. and and for them how do they say stay safe with men, right? So this is where the patriarchy, mm-hmm. you know, totally intersects with uh, white supremacy. And so that's a really good book that just really mm-hmm. talks to how white women love to to have this paint this story of innocence mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and naivety. Oh wow. And and it's and it's like through history that's been a lie. It's, it's gonna like, explain it, these Karens that's always been around. Mm-hmm. Always been and they've around. always been there. They've mm-hmm. always yeah. been there. And you know, this whole um sense of, of of being naive and like, oh I didn't know. Like I literally just woke up yesterday and nobody told <laughs> me that black men were being killed, you know, by the state. And you're like, Oh, really? Because we all knew. Yeah. Well, it's just that certain level of privilegeness too. That just even yesterday I saw mm-hmm. a video, you know, of a Caucasian woman just, you know, telling this black guy he couldn't stencil Black Lives Matter on his property, and they called oh, the police. I saw that in San Francisco. Yeah. Lost, she owned a makeup something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. company, mm-hmm. and she lost a nice big contract because of it. And this it's is outrageous, though, to me. No, but this is something else I, t- I tell white people, white women especially, all the time. Every thought you have is not to be spoken out loud. Just because you have a thought does not mean it needs to be shared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everything you think is actually not up for debate or for you to talk to somebody about. Mm-hmm. Right. So I know I say this to them all the time. I said, because we see this, right? Like this man is on his property. <laughs> <coughs> and then she lied <laughs> and said she knew the owners. Mm-hmm. Because Whiteness can never be humble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It can never be wrong. Right? That was the same thing that happened in the park with the black birder. Oh, yeah. That Amy Cooper deal. Amy Cooper. Yeah. They said they got an Amy Cooper. Um, I haven't seen where it's actually passed, but it's definitely on the table to be passed. I have. Yeah, I, I haven't seen where it's actually passed, but it's definitely on the table to be passed. But the thing that tripped me out about that, that was straight up macro aggression. You might need another one past macro because the fact that she said an African-American, you know what I'm saying? You were no, she diligent. looked at him and said, I'm a call to police. Yes. I know what I'm doing. In yes, yes. He was very clear. And, but, th- but that's the way it happens, right? So I'm like, 
that woman knew she was lying. Mm-hmm. But, she, but what she was saying is, you too brown to own anything around here. My Lord. Mm. It, it's just right? uh, it's just so hard to it's just hard to still wrap my head around people think like this is 2020 that's why I, that's why I named this BM like in 2020 like is this what we're really doing still now and so then my question becomes so then what can we do to combat these micro and macro aggression behaviors that can possibly get people seriously hurt because um, we got to we have to know people mm-hmm. so the reality is she didn't know her neighbors mm-hmm. she didn't know that man he lived there mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what he would that right. this is the way we we have to stay in. Re- we have to be in real relationship with each other, mm-hmm. right? That's a key word, so, right? Because if my best friend for thirty six years is white, mm-hmm. and um, if she's about to say something crazy, mm-hmm. I'm gonna tug on her sweater and be like, "Don't do that." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't. Mm-hmm. We don't roll that way, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Got it." Mm-hmm. But she takes that from me because she knows one. I'm in right relationship with her. I love and care about her. Absolutely. And you have to be in that way. We all make mistakes. We all say something inappropriate or at the wrong time. Like we all do it. Mm -hmm. But the only way that I don't take this as the hundredth time is if I'm in right relationship with you and I know, you know what? You got my back, Mm -hmm. right? You team Desiree. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, that thing you said was off, but I can talk to you about that in about twenty minutes when mm-hmm. we private somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I don't know you. You don't know nothing about me, and you said this thing, mm-hmm. and then you said this thing, mm-hmm. and then you said this thing, and now I got to go home and have eighteen other people say something to me. So I tell mm-hmm. people, I try to meet microaggressions with grace. I really do, and there are times I can't. Mm-hmm. And so, guess what? You the one who gonna get it. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I like. I try not to give it to people, mm-hmm. but that's not real. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna try and show grace to you. I'm gonna try and show you how that thing you said was really inappropriate, and mm-hmm. again, not everything is for you to speak on. Mm-hmm. But some days I can't show grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some days I'm cut up too much from all the micro. Absolutely, yeah. it's just and too some much days all in one. I just, it's just too much, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know. One more person says something about my hair. One more person says something about whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I ain't got no more in me today, right? I didn't watch George Floyd. I didn't watch all these things happen. And sorry, Tim, you came in here and said the wrong thing to this the wrong time. To yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you know, don't I get think, it. Well, um, she, she, you mentioned something, Desiree, that was uh, really, really important for, I think, for us to dive into if we have time. Is the, um, so before you uh, dive into that, can we press yeah. pause? So let's press pause for a minute. We're going to take okay. a break and we're going to come right back. Okay. Okay. 